Hello there, my dears. I sure am glad we're doing these lessons together. I know there are people all over the world joining together to just be determined to change that mind, and my goodness, we all benefit. So now we're at the beginning of a new little mini section in this second part of the workbook, and this is called What is the Real World? Now it talks about the real world all throughout the text, and it tries to make clear to us although it's hard for us to understand because we don't really have a point of reference, but it's the world of time and space where there still seem to be separate objects and separate people and bodies and that sort of thing, but everything has become light-filled. Everything is lovely. Everything is peaceful. All the pain and all the difficulty has gone away. So with that in mind, we'll just jump into what it has to say about it here. The real world is a symbol, like the rest of what perception offers. Now remember, perception is that seeing and smelling and touching and everything to help us relate to a so-called separate object. And yet, this real world symbol stands for what is opposite to what you made, what we made. Your world is seen through eyes of fear and brings the witnesses of terror to your mind. The real world cannot be perceived except through eyes that forgiveness blesses. No judgment, no grievances. So they see a world where terror is impossible and witnesses to fear cannot be found. The real world holds a counterpart, in other words, something that is its opposite. For each unhappy thought reflected in your world, a sure correction for the sights of fear and sounds of battle that your world contains. The real world shows a world seen differently, through quiet eyes and with a mind at peace. Nothing but rest is there. There are no cries of pain and sorrow heard, for nothing there remains outside forgiveness. You see, if we can just keep in mind that lack of forgiveness equals pain and sorrow. And the sights are gentle. Only happy sights and sounds can reach the mind that has forgiven itself. Well, reach is a strange word to use. Those are the only things I generate, so to speak, because what I see and hear and think and feel all have to do with the thoughts that I entertain. So what need has such a mind for thoughts of death, attack, murder? What can it perceive surrounding it except safety, and love and joy. What is there it would choose to be condemned? And what is there that it would judge against? Nothing. The world it sees arises from a mind at peace within itself. Remember, our inner world and our so-called outer world are all a seamless whole. So no danger lurks in anything it sees for its kind, and only kindness does it therefore inevitably look upon. The real world is the symbol. See, it's referring back to that very first paragraph, a symbol that the dream of sin and guilt are over. God's son no longer sleeps. His waking eyes perceive the sure reflection of the father's love the certain promise that he is redeemed, and the real world signifies the end of time. For its perception, 
makes time purposeless. Forgiveness has been completed, then time is over. It says even the purpose of time right now is to make this decision to stop judging, stop making thinking, take the place of direct experience. So the Holy Spirit has no need for time when it has served his purpose. Now he waits just for that one instant more for God to take the final step where time has disappeared, taking perception with it as it goes, leaving only the truth to be itself. That instant is our goal because it contains the memory of God, of love, of joining, of reality. And as we look upon a world forgiven, it is he who calls to us and comes to take us home, reminding us of our identity, which our forgiveness has finally restored to us. Now, sometimes people just get very frightened at this idea that such a radical change is going to take place. There's a place in the text where it says, not to worry, you're not going to be picked up and hurled into reality. It says, everything is going to keep very gentle, easy a pace with our letting go and our changing our minds. So nothing is going to be abrupt and frightening. It's going to be lovely and inevitable, and we're all going to love it. Okay, now here are the specifics of Lesson 291. This is a day of stillness and of peace. Christ's vision, love's vision, looks through me today. His sight shows me all things forgiven and at peace and offers that same vision to the world. We might talk about that as coming from our right mind, which is where the love and forgiveness and understanding resides, or our wrong mind where the ego just wants it all to be about the story of me. And so I'm going to accept this vision in its name, both for myself and for the world as well. What loveliness we look upon today, what holiness we see surrounding us. It's here already, and it is given us to recognize it is a holiness in which we share. It is the holiness of God himself. We're not looking at holiness from some sort of a bereft place. We are part of the holiness we're seeing. And so our prayer goes, This day, my mind is quiet to receive the thoughts, capital T thoughts, that you offer me. Those are the thoughts of the truth that bring a sense of enlightenment. And I accept what comes from you instead of from myself, from my ego self, which is insane. I don't know the way to you, but you are wholly certain. Father, please guide your son along the quiet path that leads to you. Let my forgiveness be complete and let the memory of you return to me. Remember that memory cannot come as long as my mind is clouded by grievances and judgments. We've got to let that old thinking go because it's preventing our deepest happiness. Have a lovely practice today and I sure will look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Goodbye.